Can we change the way we produce food to both meet the needs of humans whilst regenerating our soils and ecosystems? And can we do so in a way that improves the financial viability of farms? These questions are becoming increasingly urgent to answer, and we're here to investigate a promising technique called agroforestry in order to find out how it can help us with these challenges. We'll be interviewing farmers, scientists, and other experts to share with you their experiences, practical advice, and scientific research. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Regenerative Agroforestry Podcast. Today, we're super excited to be interviewing Benedikt Bösel from Gutenbösel in Germany. Hi, Benedikt, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Hi, guys. Um, great to be here. So we were thinking that maybe we could start with a um, kind of overview of the project and you could, you know, introduce the project and uh, tell us what it's about and how it kind of came about. Sure. <clears throat> so, um, I, well, my, um, I had a prior life, <laughs> let's say, um, because I started working in, uh, in investment banking um, when, um, you know, I basically went, went through or came out of uh, university. Um, and having lived in and around farms and having always had, let's say, uh, the natural world, so to say, as, uh, as something that is, is basically my passion, um, I, I, I soon came to realize that um, investment banking as such is not something that I really want to, uh, you know, spend my time in. Um, then the financial crisis hit and suddenly I saw how this whole system just um, really fell together and being 22 years old and, and experiencing that firsthand was something that had a deep influence on, on the way I thought I saw the world or on the, on the way I, I thought about myself in that context. So then I basically said, let's go back to, you know, the, the kind of passion that you have uh, which has always been nature, nature, and, and I guess resources. So I started looking at you know the the idea or the context of how can you bring in the sort of financial background that you have um, with with topics around land use, um, and this is when you know you had the first couple of funds in the U.S. Uh, I think it was Avrio Cultivian and. Uh, in the Netherlands, you had Antera that had been formed around the topic of ag tech. Um, so I thought, okay, this is uh, you know this is an area that that I'd love to go into because obviously you know the the the, the problems that we are facing are quite obvious, and the solutions that you know innovation can bring, be it technological, um, digital, or uh, somehow other are um, you know going to be part of the or a large part of the solution so then i took a one or two side steps i did i was in restructuring for a while i did a master's in agriculture economics um, and then started working in venture capital with a strong focus on let's say um, yeah ecological technologies um, specifically um, agriculture technologies and what i learned through those times specifically talking to startups in the space that i was always confronted with their sort of vision of a future when it comes to land use and agriculture and food and i think through that i basically regained the interest of 
on uh, well agriculture in in the broader sense um and here also a little sidestep to to my personal uh, history um basically my family's history in so in, in a sense that um the family of my step grandfather used to live in an on an estate in our east of berlin um for around 250 years and he flew in 1945 um and then married my father's mother in western germany when my father was five years old so basically my father grew up with my step grandfather as his father and for me it was always my my grandfather although we're not actually related um and when the wall came down my step grandfather came back to you know the estate that his family has been living on all those all those years and was basically approached by um the people living here and 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 was asked to to come back because of course after the war went down it was all very you know an unsure time it wasn't quite easy it wasn't quite uh yeah it wasn't sure how it you know will all, all basically turn out to be so then my step-grandfather approached my parents and said look uh, i am thinking of going back home and, and rebuilding the estate are you guys up for it and um my parents obviously um were saying um you know this is a this is a great opportunity and and uh the the, the tasks are daunting but yet um could be quite fulfilling so they then started or initiated the whole process of starting to buy back the land first of all the agricultural land then the forestry land and then uh, years afterwards the park and and the manor house and this is so this is basically how my family kind of returned to the land um or yeah and <clears throat> when i was i guess around 30 plus minus and having you know worked with with the startups in the agricultural space and getting more and more known or uh, myself more and more uh, let's say involved in in thinking about the future when it comes to land use when it comes to food and agriculture i realized that for me personally the biggest impact that i can have is you know not not being a cool investor and, and talking to startups about technologies that I don't understand uh, as much as they do, and, and uh, but to actually go back to the land and and utilize the land or make it also available for others, um, you know, to actually test solutions, develop solutions, and, and seek and look out for for new solutions when it comes to land use. So I returned to the farm and took over responsibility of, of our reparations here in December 2016. And in the beginning, I thought, you know, coming from the space, technology and, and digital solutions, I guess, are going to be the way forward when it comes to land use and, and food. And what I realized pretty fast is that the problem is that Today, 90% of the time, or undefined percentage, but it's, I think it's a high percentage, we have innovation in the ag space or also you know, in connection to land use that is always being developed out of an exploitative understanding of complex ecosystems. 
And that means that by definition, the innovation that can come from that will always only be able to, let's say, limit the negative outcomes or the negative effects of our predominant production model. But I think, and this is what I observed here, or this is what I observed day to day, is that in order to solve you know, the big problems of our time when it comes to climate, to health, to rural development, um, education, culture, obviously there's, there's, there's many things, equality, um, to, to name another one, we need to take a, an imaginary step back and look at you know, the root causes of the problems and then decide what do we have to, how do we have to change our system in order to not be faced with the negative outcomes in the first place. And this is really what I learned in, in those first, let's say, in the first year when I took over the responsibility here. Because we have, uh, we are now east of Berlin, we have very sandy soil, and at the same time, we have um, quite incredible drought problems, especially in the spring, early summer. We have, you know, weeks and weeks without rain. So this combination um, makes it incredibly challenging to grow food, to grow even a forest. Um, so what I realized is that, you know, my focus has to be on soil and soil health and soil fertility and, and more or less the question, how can we, you know, build soil organic matter? How can we use that little water that does come uh, most effectively? So how can it be taken up? How can it be stored? And um, through that, I, I then understood that it's not only technological, it's not only digital innovation that we have to look for. I mean, they are and they will be incredible tools or instruments later on. But beforehand, we have to think systemically, we have to think ecologically, socially, what kind of innovation can come from, from that angle. And then I started writing thousands and thousands of emails to really anybody that was somehow involved in new systems or new is a, is a wrong word for this, I guess, but different systems of land use, um, different ideas of, of how we can, you know, cultivate land. I looked at, you know, farmers and NGOs and, and people all over the world that, that either had similar problems than we have and have already solved them or that have just other approaches. And through all that, I, I basically discovered the whole ideas of regenerative agriculture with all its different variables, let's say, or different um, lines of thought, I guess. So um, agroforestry in a more classical way, um, syntropic agriculture, which is basically like a, a dynamic agroforestry with, with an extremely high diversity in, in, in species, um, holistic grazing, of course, um, marked gardening. I mean, there's... There, there's so many different kinds of regenerative agriculture. Um, I'm always not such a big fan on the whole definition side of things, um, but I think the, the ideas were, were, were compelling. And what I found really interesting is that although they, are, they have been developed and have been proven to be ex extremely successful in, in very different regions and contexts and, and climate situations, they more or less all have the same underlying understanding of soil and how you have to treat the soil and what you can do to actually, um, you know, start growing soil and, and building soil biodiversity and so forth. And so when I saw that, I, I realized, okay, this is, this is going to be our future or I want this to be our future. So then the next question was how, 
how can we bring those ideas here? How can we bring the knowledge here? How can we bring people that are fascinated by it that already know some of it or at least are willing to learn? And uh, then I started writing a lot of different programs on you know innovation and, and you know, subsidy programs and whatever and um i think it was over 10 different uh you know uh, some of like well 10 different tries on the sort of regional level country level eu level and all of them uh, collectively said nah we're not gonna you know we're not gonna finance this this is no innovation you know where's the drone Whereas there's no blockchain here, this can't be innovation. And uh, yeah, I was like, well, you know, but, you know, this is systemic systems innovation, this is ecological, this is social innovation. But um, they didn't really feel that, I guess. So then I, I understood I have to just do it by myself. So I still had a car, a nice German Audi from, from my venture capitalist times which I sold and I had some really bad shares, which I had when I was uh, started investment banking. They were really bad also. So I was kind of relieved to get, get them away anyway. So I sold both of them um, and got a, a loan from Ecosia. Ecosia is a, is a, a German search engine that, that actually is a purpose company and that plants trees by, uh, you know, the, the money that they do earn through advertisements. They gave me a loan. So, I always say I swapped 200 horsepowers against 20 car powers because um, with with that with that capital, then I founded uh, a, 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 like a single agriculture company that today is basically uh, leasing the land from the large ecological um, agriculture company. And within that um, small company, we we then basically now initiated those different forms of regenerative agriculture on the estate. So we today have two different, let's say, more or less classical um, agroforestry systems. We have a syntropic agriculture test field on uh, roughly 3.5 hectares. Um, we have, uh, you know, we have, by the end of you, we'll have more or less 100 cows um we have the chickens so we do the whole holistic grazing on that front um we have partners that we're leasing um land to that are doing a market garden um so there's different sort of things that we're trying um composting methodologies as well um and trying to first of all see how they work in our context um obviously trying to adapt them and develop them and also you know, what we can see and what we can learn, bring that more and more into sort of the large ecological estate um, to, to transform that um, basically as we, as we speak. Um, and um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll add some, some, more, um, some more words to, to the whole setting here in total. So we are um, basically in charge of roughly 3,000 hectares a third of which is, is agricultural land, two thirds is forestry. Um, we manage that with um, roughly 20 employees. Um, we always have around five interns um, as well as volunteers that come help us in, let's say, the planting seasons in, in early spring or during the winter. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, 
my family lives here, I live here, um, and um, yeah, we have had we've had the luck to um, you know find more and more people that are willing to come and join this journey with us and and help us out and and you know uh, share the dream, I guess, of of finding new, I guess, multifunctional land use models that that have the the potential to be economically, ecologically, and socially um, somehow more beneficial than than the current other systems that we that we usually see. And although we are only at the beginning, and although we know there's just so much more to learn and, and to see and to do, um, we are incredibly hopeful and we are incredibly, um, I guess, motivated by uh, what we see every day and how many people come in from from all different areas and and, and kind of uh, give us the impression that they uh, value what we do. And um, yeah, so it has been an incredible journey. And to be totally honest with you, um, I'm so glad that we didn't get uh, funding for any of the projects that we proposed uh, proposed earlier um or like a couple of years ago because um you know sometimes the things that go wrong are, are, are the things that that you need to go wrong in order to to get where you want to be and where we are right now is is exactly where we want to be so um we we are quite happy about that i guess that's such an interesting uh, interesting story and introduction uh, benedict thank you so much yeah, sorry for um, the long monologue. Uh, no, it was it was uh, it was uh, it was amazing. Um, a very very detailed uh, description. It was very interesting. So we wanted to understand a bit more about how much of these one thousand hectares you're farming are are you currently testing regenerative techniques and and or testing ecological techniques and what does when you talk about ecological farming what does that mean for for you on on the farm. Um, well, so um, let's start with the with the last question. Ecological farming in in, in Germany specifically, um, you have a, a whole let's say set of rules and regulations that you have to basically adhere to. So uh, it has to do with the crop rotation. It has to do where you buy your seeds, and if it, if it's all certified, certified. Um, where you get the manure from, and it's it's a whole process that follows certain rules that make sure that the whole ecological production follows, let's say, the ecological mind, let's say, right? So there's no synthetic fertilizers allowed, of course. There's no herbicides, fungicides. It's it's, it's pretty, I guess, it's pretty, um, yeah, pretty natural, I guess. And so our farm has been uh, ecological since 2004. Um, so as such, we you know we've we we haven't had any kind of conventional approaches here for for a long long time. Um, asking how much of let's say the regenerative approaches we are already establishing on on the whole farm. I mean, this is you know this is I guess more or less difficult to say it um, because where where does it start and and where does it end? I mean, as of today, we are growing roughly 400 to 600 hectares of cover crop each year in addition we have two to three hundred hectares with uh, nurse crops underneath so a combination of uh, of different grasses and clover for example um so this this would be something that is you know that is 
part of the definition of regenerative agriculture. Yet, this is something that, you know, we conventional farmers, ecological farmers have been doing and are doing in, in Germany and probably in many other countries also. So um, that depends, I guess. Um, I mean, when it comes to uh, no-till um, convention or no-till organic farming, um, I guess this is also something where we have to take small steps. Um, I mean, I, I, I wish I could just say, okay, we will stop plowing completely as of today. Um, but life is not that simple. Um, and, you know, I think we are, as many others are, also caught in our system, right? So, I mean, we, uh, because of the sandy soil and the low precipitation, our profitability is, is, is really, really weak. And, you know, being faced with those risks that we certainly are, and having operating costs that are quite large, um, you know, I can only take little steps, I guess, because, you know, if I was to basically say no plowing as of today, we would probably go through a year of, or let's say a, a time of, I guess, something between six and 10 years where I will have a revenue dip of something between 20 and 40%. And there is no way that I could... I could basically, um, I could basically somehow economically do that. Like I would have to lay off people, which I don't want to do. And I would have to do other things that I don't want to do. So we have to really take it slow and we have to learn. We have to be very, very sure on what we do because, you know, we can be, and we, we want to be as ecologically sound as we possibly can, and we want to build soil. But if that means I have to sell, <laughs> My, my my parents house or i have to lay off workers then that's that that can't be that can't be sound so this is this is also one of the reasons why our experience is we need to start small learn as much as we can to then you know slowly leapfrog some of that knowledge into into the larger state because the risks are just so predominant um if we go really saying okay well, but if you go hard on yourself, on how many hectares are you doing regenerative organic agriculture, um, it would be a hundred hectare as of today. Um, but as I said, you know, then we have another hundred hectare today where we don't know plowing, but we haven't started any holistic grazing on it yet, or we haven't done any agroforest, uh, like yeah, agroforest on it. So it's really it's 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 a moving target, let's say. But obviously, we're we're trying to grow uh, in, in in a sense with 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 land and with capital and with experience so that we'll be looking at a thousand hectare uh, regenerative organic in, in in a few years of course um but uh, you know if i have learned one thing uh, doing what what we are doing and, and living here it's uh, it's to be humble and to um you know let to make sure that you always know that you know the outside decides not not i and not not we our heads or our aims it's it's if it's rains um you know we can reach certain targets if it doesn't we can't and we have to make sure that we'll be able to cope uh, either way um so yeah um it's it's an ongoing process it's great to hear that benedict i mean in so many uh, successful farms, that's what I've observed over the fa past few years is like this transition method and not being too hurried to go too far in the idealism because 
it remains something quite experimental. So it's it's really cool to see that that's the approach you're taking as well. And congrats for that. Um, I think we wanted to, you know, focus um, now on a bit more um, in detail on, on the agroforestry systems. So maybe you can just give us an idea of what we're talking about. Um, you know, what did you plant out and, and a kind of a detailed uh, description of uh, the main trees. And I know, I know it's difficult to encapsulate everything, but, you know, just so that we have um, an idea of where we're, what we're talking about. Sure. Um, well, the first, the first system that we started was um, basically one, one step back. I mean, in the beginning, so the first system we planted was April 2019, so not that long ago. And a couple of months before that, um, let's say, yeah, I guess towards the end of 2018, you know, I had in mind to basically initiate yeah, maybe an agroforestry system or maybe, you know, think about cows. Nah, probably not. I can't start with cows. Well, cows are going to be so much work. I've got so much work enough already. So, and, and I had that kind of idea and, and thinking and potential projects in my mind, you know, still at the time where I was like, okay, if, 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 if I managed to somehow get one of those projects here, this would just be incredible. And now looking back we've we, you know we have quite a few of those so there has been some sort of exponential development when it comes to uh, the different projects and looking back i sometimes don't really i can't really realize or uh, it's difficult for me to understand how i must have been thinking back in the day um but uh, but um, anyway so the first system that we started was really just getting started i mean it was really just about putting some trees on 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 uh on the agricultural fields uh, to, just to basically get get our uh, hands dirty so the first system was very simple or is still very simple where we have um basically just populous um alder and um what's it called um um well is it, I think it's called, wait one second. Give us the German name and then everyone else will have to go on Google Translate and practice our <laughs> writing German. Weider. <laughs> so Willow, yes, Willow, thank you so okay. much. Okay. So it's basically just a system of that. We have eight different populous um, species and, and two Willow and uh, two Alders. Um, and we always planted them in, let's say, 30 meter um, parts following each other because we really wanted to see which species and what kind of kind will be able to cope with with our let's say surroundings here which as i said again but it's really something that is quite predominant are inc incredibly tough um, and <clears throat> we planted them on uh, a field that has roughly 35 hectares um, and decided to have two double rows from east to west, um, as well as six double rows uh, north to south. Um, and we did that because we, with all the systems that we did initiate or that we're doing, we always try to go, in, uh, go as high as we can in diversity and, and, and yeah, basically trying out things because we think, uh, I mean, there is, there is more or less nothing more valuable than doing it and observing it and trying to learn from it 
the best that you can um, to then, you know, have by definition made many mistakes, which you then hope to, to not repeat. Um, to be honest with you, now looking back, you know, planting our first agroforestry system, we did, I don't know, 10 mistakes, 10 big mistakes. And then this this year in spring, we thought, okay, we, we know it a lot better now. We did it again. We did 10 mistakes, which were just as big. They were just very different. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, there's uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, but... Um, you know, doing that, those mistakes or doing things not as good as you could do them looking back, is uh, that's not going to end, unfortunately. Um, but um, that's a different discussion. <laughs> yeah, so basically we, we, we did that and, and it was quite interesting. We, as I said, like we, we, we planted them badly. We had the, the wrong cho choosing of crop in between. Um, we didn't have any sort of high gear GPS thing that basically <laughs> helps us make it a straight line. So... I'm kind of sweating while I think about Google Google Maps because as soon as they'll have an update of, of of the satellite pictures, everyone else will see our our agroforestry lines, which will look more like I don't know, um, uh, but not really straight, I guess. So I mean, there's like a lot of things that that you can do better, but um. Uh, yeah, I guess you know it's it's uh, it was our first our first trial and and um, we'll see what what it'll be like. Um, in the first year, we had uh, rye next to it, which is not a good thing because it grows so high that you can't see the rows anymore. We didn't, you know, go in there and clean within within the three rows, which is a really bad mistake. Um, the animals loved it, so any kind of animal from uh, any kind of deer, wild boar, um, wolf, they all loved those tree lines and they ate them and, and did anything to them, which we didn't want them to, but uh, they were loving it. Um, so, yeah, uh, that you can tell when you come there today how, how they look. Um, they've had a, a rough upbringing, but maybe that makes them even stronger now, uh, looking, uh, looking, looking to the future. And we will. We are already starting to basically fill them with with other trees and more quality trees uh, in in between to basically get get let's say the diversity up and get sort of more um, yeah more more species into them. So this was basically the first one. The second one we did this year was uh, with a variety uh, with beech different beech trees. Also popular, also elder, but then um, we also had slow, blackthorn. Um, what else? One second. Uh, mulberry. Um, so a very high sort of different bushes, as well as fast-growing trees, as well as more sort of slow-growing trees. Specifically interesting is the sort of limes, also lime trees. Um, so there we already have, you know, a different structure that we are looking at different layers within the system, um, combined with, um, wild, um, you know, berry, uh, wild berries that is interesting for either the chicken tractors that we could, uh, walk through those, uh, those agroforestry systems or just basically the, the general wildlife. Um, because of course, in the first system where we only have fast growing trees, once they grow, let's say out of the first three, four meters, then 
you know, we'll have the same effect that we had before, which we don't want, that the wind can go underneath. And um, uh, what we really want is basically to have a, a windbreak, right? So in those kind of agroforestry systems, what we're looking to do is change the microclimate within the tree lines. This is, I think, for me, the most compelling thing. Um, if you imagine, um, you know, a time like now where we hardly have any rain, but we sometimes or we, we have some humidity in the morning, especially um, if, you know, the sun goes up, it gets very hot, very fast. The wind is most of the time quite strong. It goes, you know, over the field and basically takes all the humidity and, and evaporates it. Basically, it's the same that if, if it does actually rain, the, the, the soil is so hot and, and hard that, you know, it's like uh, basically if you take a, um, a jar of flour, and you put in some some drops of milk you'll have this milk uh, bubble forming on on the flower and then this is what happens here then the wind comes and it evaporates it so for us it's really about decentralized water retention when it comes to those let's say more easy agroforestry systems um which um we are really interested to see what kind of effect they have on on the agricultural land in between um sort of Comparable um, scientific uh, literature has shown that if you reduce the agricultural land by five to ten percent, um, that your potential yield uh, on the remaining field will be either the same, if not more, especially in let's say difficult situations. So this is a bit, you know, what we're looking at, where we're going for. Um, and then, of course, if you think about, um, you know, wind erosions, uh, water erosion, extreme water conditions that we that we tend to have here as well, you'll have the tree lines that can actually hold up the water. They can help with the water infiltration. Um, also a question of, of building soil organic matter. So there's all these kind of effects that we're looking for in those two systems. We have uh, scientific, um, uh, we have a university from Berlin that is basically, basically taking soil samples of a 20 year time period to see how, you know, the different, uh, soil components develop over that time period. Just, uh, just yeah. a quick question about these, uh, systems, Benedict. Um, firstly, what you said about the mistakes, these are some of probably, I mean, um, for most people listening, these are probably some of the most interesting things to know more about, um, but it would take a whole other podcast, I imagine, to, to go into these mistakes, um, but definitely things to, 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 to keep track of and hopefully one day something that, you know, we can all share with our agroforest systems and all the mistakes we did. Um, but going back into the, um, into the, the systems uh, that you've just described now, um, you described the ecological or let's say um, the, the ecosystem services that they can provide for the crops. Um, mm -hmm. What are the economic um, benefits that you're hoping to take out from the tree lines? Are, there, are you hoping to produce something from them as well? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I, we are hoping to produce something from them for sure. Um, but as of today, the focus really is on, on the agricultural fields in between so if we can prove that the the average let's say revenue depending on obviously market price or you could just use some standardized market price but um, if we go for yield if you say tons per hectare for example from that field over the last 10 years um, will be compared from now into the future and if we manage to have the same amount or even a bit more although we reduced 
by the tree lines, then this is what I'm looking for. <clears throat> because as of now, okay. I don't want to mix the two thoughts. Of course you can, but I, my, my approach or my hope is, um, and I think I am, well, I am pretty sure that it will be, um, that we manage to have the ecosystem functions of the trees that bring more value to the whole, the, the whole field or the whole area. And then on top of that comes a potential um, value add through the tree lines themselves. But on this okay. field specifically, I, I am actually not so keen about the potential coming from the tree lines itself. It's really about the, the, the surrounding field. Um, and this is quite the opposite to our syntropic test field, for example. In the syntropic test field, this is one where we, uh, you know, work with Ernst Götsch very closely together, uh, who's been here uh, two times on the farm. We are really concerned with, you know, the potential value add of the tree lines themselves. So there we have a huge variety of different nut trees, fruit trees, um, you know, high value sort of wooden trees and so forth. With a very, I mean, we only have let's say ten meters from tree line to tree line on that other field that I was referring to in the, in the beginning. There we have uh, thirty-six meters between the tree lines, basically. Um, but sure, I mean, we 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 do think about that. Um, it's you know, it's it's a matter of um, choosing the right species, I guess. But but here again, I mean, I don't. I think what what. Something that, that I am lacking definitely is sort of the time to go to other places and visit them and, and share on their experiences and their mistakes and, and the things that they have done. Um, because, like, I think it's always, uh, it's, I think it's maybe it's a bit of a philosophical question, but like, in my first job as an investment banker, you just, you took everything and changed it towards an outcome that you want. And the underlying assumption was always, well, no one will be able to prove what you, you know, rigged in the numbers, so to say, when it's, when it's, when the time has come. So basically here it's the same thing. I can plan anything I want on Excel. Yeah. I can, calculate myself poor i can calculate the project being you know very profitable or whatever but until i harvest it in 25 in 30 in 35 years you know i it doesn't matter what's on the excel sheet you know that is when the time comes if it's if it, if it has worked in that sense or if it hasn't and to calculate in that sense to think in that sense too strongly in a time where you just don't know enough yet I think it's just not something that is very, yeah, very good to do because you're relying on something that you only have minor influence on. So yeah, it's a bit not a not a good not a good answer for that simple question. Uh, but it is really you know we think about it, but I I have my eyes some somehow on on a different target as of now. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Benedict, I mean, you said that you can't travel everywhere, but that's why we're doing the podcast. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to travel yeah. with us as we go and investigate um, everyone's uh, mistakes and successes. And um, yeah, that's, sure. that's pretty good to, to hear. Um, 
So, you know, maybe since you mentioned the objective and the focus is really uh, on the on the field production, uh, how is that working so far then? How is the um, how how is it working to integrate the um, the trees and by that I mean both uh, on the crop but also in terms of of workflow and 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 you know moving machinery around and how has that changed uh, your previous operations? Um, I mean, with regard to the uh, you know the the, the one thousand hectare grain rotation or the grain operation, um, that field of of agroforestry on on roughly thirty five hectares um, is not you know, yet of, let's say, of a, of a size that it will have a big influence on the whole sort of other operation, I guess. Um, I mean, it has, it has been fun with, with, our, with our guys that have been in, in the agriculture for 30, 40 years. Suddenly, you know, they have to look out on, on things while they operate the machines that they've never done before. And they're like, what's going on here? I mean, they... <laughs> they're like what the you know um so that's that's a very interesting uh thought process i think um and you know they were obviously complaining that the lines are not straight and they asked me what i had you know the night before when <laughs> before i basically <laughs> started planting um so you know they are having a bit of you know, they're having a bit of fun and to be honest with you, I think that that is also some that's a huge that's a hugely important thing, and it's a big learning uh, with all honesty. Because you know, if if I and you know, I'm not I'm not a farmer. I haven't like or well, how do you define how do you define being a farmer? I mean, I would ask I would see myself as a farmer today. But if someone has done forty years of farming and then sees my background, <laughs> the last thing he thinks is that I'm a farmer. But anyway. So, you know, if I'll, if I'll go there and say, look, guys, we're going to start planting trees on the agriculture fields and we're going to do this and going to do that and we're going to stop plowing and all that. And this is all knowledge and, and views and, and values and ideas and systems that they haven't heard of before and they haven't done in 40, 50 years and they, are, they, they don't, well, understand. It's also defined understand, but they don't agree with, let's put it that way, they don't agree with, then if I force them to do it, I might as well just chuck the money out of the window because what, what we need, what I need, and, and I think all of us who begin this journey is to, to get the people that you know, are working with us on the same page. They need to, you know, you have to kind of, yeah, uh, listen to them, bring them along, draw them in, communicate, show them why and how. Maybe if you can, prove to them on the outside so that they can actually experience it themselves. But um, it has to be a process. It has to be, um, you know, very carefully, um, I guess, communicated in order for them to, you know, see this as their project as well. Because if they don't, they, they'll never support it. And if they don't support it, it, it will never have a chance. So this is something that, that is, I think, it's incredibly important. So, you know, we, we're, you know, we're starting to basically then observing all these new things that are happening and, and seeing how they develop. And then suddenly, you know, you're, 
you're doing i don't know you you drill the next uh, the next crop and obviously they start looking out of the window and they're starting to think about it and asking questions about it and they get more and more interested and that's a way of basically drawing them in um, step by step um so yeah i mean has it had a huge influence on the farming business as such as of now not in that sense um has it had a huge influence on us as a group of of people are trying to change something yes for sure i mean we had um during corona time we had starting with four volunteers in the end we were like a, a group of 20 30 volunteers who've planted 10,000 trees together 10,000 potatoes with their hands 100,000 tree um, seeds uh, 300 blackberries so th this has had an incredible influence on us and it was an incredible energy and it was an incredible feeling for all of us you know planting all these things and, and doing all of this together but on uh, let's say you know numbers based analysis looking at the farm as a whole with the 1000 hectares it's still minor you see so it's really as as in agriculture i guess always you know it's it's not just one level or it's not just one answer it is it is multi multifaceted so to say um i love yeah. your approach i mean i think it's it's just great how you know you were able to to stay humble and really take this approach on the long run of um of including people rather than excluding them and uh, really uh you, you get credit for that and, and it's really great and uh do you expect that things will shift i mean i expect that they already have uh to a certain extent but do you think that um things will shift once maybe the system is mature and they can actually, uh, and, and your, uh, the farmers you work with can actually observe tangibly um, results. Is that, do you think, will be the tipping point in acceptability and then shifting the whole business? Um, yes, for sure. I think um, when it comes to, you know, the farmers that we work with here or when it comes to visitors from any sort of space, what, what, what for me is something that I see every day is, is that we have to make, and I think this is our task that goes far beyond what we are doing and what you guys are doing. What we all have to do is make these kind of new ways experienceable, you know, because you can tell people like, don't do this, or you cannot do this or do this. But if you haven't really experienced it, you will never take it as a, a, like a whole, like whole, like in, in a spiritual sense, part of you, right? And this is, uh, this is I think, is, is really, really important. And now going back to our farm, if basically I'm looking, you know, our old agriculture um, employees or farmers, you know, they all have their own potatoes in their backyard. And on the Centropic field, which we haven't yet talked so much about, we planted 21 different potatoes, basically just to cover, um, you know, sort of uh, weeds that, that, that usually would come up in that space. So we use them in a in sort of natural way. Now, we have been joking about the potatoes for quite a while with the farmers because those potatoes are just lying on the top of the soil with the mulch on top of it. And our farmers, you know, they usually do it the old way where, you know, you would use any kind of things to, 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 to make them grow fast and, and, and strong. And, um, and then, you know, they... They look at it and they don't say anything. They're like, mm, yeah, whatever. And then the next time 
you say, hey guys, you want to, should we, let's have a look, um, look at the potatoes or we do the hay in between. Let's say we had alfalfa between the syntropic fields and we did some, some silage there. So the guys were driving away the silage and, you know, they were standing over the rows and looking at it and like, mm -hmm, okay, well, it's interesting. What they quite, they look quite good. Wow. <laughs> so that process starts now. And, and now we've already started to say, well, you know, in, in mid August or late August, we will have a day where we'll go to each one uh, at, at home and look at their potatoes and we'll make a little test and say, okay, we have like a square meter and we'll get all the potatoes of this guy and then we'll get all the potatoes of him and then we'll go on the syntropic field and get all the potatoes there. And so basically it's like, um, you know, that it's, it's, yeah, you're, you're trying to build a, a, um, a common language, I guess it is, you know, if you, you have to build a connection somehow through language or through something that everyone kind of knows. And, and that is then something again, from there, you can, it can grow and it can accelerate in, in all different aspects or different directions, because once they accept that, Hey, this new way of having potatoes just lying on the soil and you have mulch on top and it, you know, they are beautifully uh, clean and they have hardly any problems with pests and there's no, uh, no, no worms or whatever. I might try this, then suddenly they'll respect this new way of thinking and they'll be like, oh, I also saw that you plant a blackberry together with a birch tree. Why do you do that? And then suddenly you're talking about a syntropic agriculture system where if you would have started without having that introduction through the potatoes, they'll be like, what? No way. We cannot plant together a blackberry, and, uh, a blackberry with, with a birch tree. That doesn't work. So I think it's really important to find those, you know, those, um, yeah, those, those areas where you can start building that relation and that connection uh, within the people and through, through the systems, I guess. What we wanted to, to, to ask you about is how um, integrating Agroforestry, um, at the moment, it only represents, um, you know, a small amount of uh, the land that you have. But how do you see agroforestry having an impact on the business strategy of the farm, you know, in the medium term or, or long term? Or maybe even now, how is it at the moment impacting that aspect? Mm, I think... Um... There's, there's also a couple of, of uh, considerations. So first of all, um, you know, we, we are in a time where, well, at least in my bubble or, or in my understanding, we have uh, a weird situation where we have people and especially eating people, like not eating people, but like consumers, let's say. I don't like that word, but consumers. They are not happy with the way, you know, products are being produced. They are looking for other products that have a, a different ethos when it comes to animal uh, welfare, when it comes to ecological side effects, when it comes to health attitudes. Um, at the same time, we have the farmers who, you know, don't feel hurt. They, they, they are unhappy if they are ecological or if they're conventional. It doesn't matter. Both of them go on the street and say, hey, Guys, what, what's going on? We have a system that is strategically making farmers less and less 
independent, um, but forcing them into sort of corners of having huge debt and, and corners of being more and more specialized for markets that become more and more anon anonymous, which I think is exactly the wrong direction. I think we have to, to look at it in a completely different direction. So I think agroforestry in that sense has a very dominant and very direct way of establishing a connection, of establishing a communication approach with farmers, um, with consumers, with politicians, with all of us who want a world worth living with regards to climate change, with regards to food, tasty food, with regards to, you know, all those things that we can change through the question of land use. Because it's a new aspect. There is no heaviness to it. It's not about uh, nitrate leaching or whatever. It's not always negative, but it's a positive. It's a positive narrative. It's, it, and although there are some unknowns and although not everything will work in the sense that we, we hope it or we believe it to work, it is a new way and it is a new possibility of, of approaching what we have neglected for such a long time. So this is something that I think is, is incredibly valuable. <clears throat> um, so I guess uh, business-wise, you would call it um, marketing. It's a marketing approach, not limiting it to that, definitely not. Um, but it is a way of, of, of starting a new communication with potential customers. So that is something that I see very predominant as of immediately. Um, so, and then in the midterm or in the soon, sooner, sooner time period, um, I think there's just incredible value through, through the tree lines themselves. If depending on your machine equipment, on your sets of values, on your entry, uh, or your, your, let's say, um, the, the, the distance to markets, depending on your age group, depending on your risk profile, and depending on all these different aspects that make us as farmers so incredibly heterogeneous, you can decide on, on a couple of products or yeah, things that you enjoy, that you like to eat, that you like to see, that you think fit well into your context that you can start um, investing in. Look, I mean, if you think about, um, um, if you agree on, let's say, the assumption that we have to look at more sort of um, perennial um, species in order to combat or basically more or yeah, better equipped for um, climatic changes, um, then for me, it's it's a matter of not investing into you know, equipment, machinery, the latest tractor, the latest camera, whatever drone, but invest your money into the soil, into trees, into animals, and into people. I think that's really um, also my economic rationale behind it. Um, and uh, from a sort of an economic side, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just very much depends on your system. I mean, we will have to, uh, potatoes to be uh, to be sold um, starting in a couple of weeks. We've planted them beginning of the year. That's a, that's an agroforestry system that has done us really good because it prevented the weeds from growing. But now we have twenty one colorful, amazing tasting potato species that have uh, you know high nutritional value that we will sell. We'll have a story to tell. We'll have people to draw in. Maybe we'll even have a weekend where they come and they, they harvest it themselves. So that's an immediate economic beneficial, uh, an economic uh, benefit. 
um, then we have other trees and other bushes that will grow into it. So next year we'll have a lot of black currant already. The year after we will have this and so forth. So it's it's a it's a moving target. It's growing. Um, can I today say that in four or five years time our uh, our estate will be dominated by let's say um, plums and um, sea buckthorn? Um, no, I can't guarantee that. This is why we have planted 1,900 different species of trees and of bushes to find out what can actually cope in our surrounding. But I think, but I'm sure there will come a time where we'll be like, right, um, we're going to say these three, four, five, maybe a bit more species are the ones that we're going to, uh, that we're going to have a strong focus on. Um, so yeah, again, yeah. and I'm sorry that, that, that this repeats over and over, but it's just not something that I, you know, it's, it's too complex or too versatile um, to to limit to one simple answer, I guess. Yeah, but uh, it's it's good it's good that you're talking about this diversity because that's also something we wanted to to understand is um, how does diversity fit in your sales strategy? Because you know something we uh, had in our experience in Mazi is that you know ecology drives you towards diversifying and putting so much diversity of crops, but then that still requires um, you selling those crops and, and it's not always easy to market diversity and, and so I was wondering in your context and, and your market for example you know you have a grain uh, operation on the side which I assume is, is uh, sold uh, you know wholesale and then on the side mm -hmm. now you have some potatoes to, to sell or and you might have some berries next year is that going to fit easily is that a challenge as well to find these new customers how does that interact with the existing business? <laughs> yeah, I mean, ask me that again in a couple of months. Um, <laughs> I, this is something that we are all uh, quite wary of, I guess. Um, I don't have the answer as of now. Um, maybe I'm naive or stupid, but I strongly believe that there is a market for those products, even if it's a small number comparatively to you know wholesale grain, a couple of hundreds of tons. Um, but yeah, maybe uh, it is probably naive, but I think that, I mean, we have Berlin just in front of our door. Um, I think if you do a nice packaging, if you can, in easy, short words, explain some of the story behind the product, um, I think it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a possibility of, of, of selling those. I mean, for sure, if you think about our syntropic uh, agroforestry systems where, you know, the, the the number of trees and bushes and plants and everything that is combined there is just incredibly high. I, I, I don't think that our future will look exactly like this. I think from what we learn, we will, you know, skip a couple of of components of the, the plant systems to basically make it, you know, mechanically harvestable and 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 cared for and and then also be able to actually um you know scale scale those operations um but it's yeah it's so so we, what you're saying to understand is like use diversity to test out and let maybe the ecosystem express the possibilities and then you select and then you upscale and you go through this kind of curve of diversity and then maybe lower it again and and 
That's that's interesting. That's I'm just saying that because I hadn't you know thought about it that way, and I think it's a really interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> the thing is, our you know the the environment here is so has such a huge influence that it's never going to be the market that decides what is growing here. It's always going to be the ecosystem itself that will decide what can or can't grow here. And then it is up to us to understand what it is and how we can combine that into a, a beautiful system and a beautiful product. And then it's our task to sell the product. But I don't think that it's useful to start at a product, then look how can it fit that into the ecosystem. I think that's exactly what we have been doing for years and years, trying to control because of whatever reason we have. But I want to understand how can I best let nature do her job here and what products can come out of it. And then I'll try to make the best out of the products. If I find out that this is not the approach and that no one wants to you know, buy the stuff that will come out of a beautiful agroforestry system here on our farm, well, then I'll just have to eat it all myself. But I, I, I don't believe it will. I, I think um, I think people, um, if if they can, if they have trust to our brand, if they have trust in what we do, and if they like what we do, I think they will buy the product. Um, as far as well, as long as it tastes nice, obviously that has to go. That is that that's for sure. But um, yes, I just naively, strongly believe that um, it is it is. The ecosystem that that needs to show us first what we can, and then we'll have to take it from there. So I think talking, you know, agroforestry, talking regenerative agriculture, I think this will be something that uh, at some point in time will be economically more viable than, let's say, a classical agricultural grain dominant business, because it shows and it manifests that there's people you know who take a, a risk uh, in and, and that they do that for the nature and they people who try a new way because they they believe that it will help them to work more with nature or basically get ready for different climate i think it is it is going to be at some point in time something that 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 yeah shows that you're thinking beyond just you know yield per hectare or you're thinking beyond just you know profitability per hectare it's also about the ecosystem it's also about um you know the people who live in the countryside it's also about trying to involve more than just or thinking more than just primary production and i think that will have an effect on on your profitability as a whole i believe so yes and 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 part of that could be because you have more and more people coming that want to experience it and they want to look at it and while they're there you just ha give them you know a jar of honey that you you can market for 10 years a piece and not five years a piece um so yes i think it will have an influence for sure that's uh, that touches upon um this big topic in regenerative agriculture of you know the value um, that's produced in, in these regenerative farms goes much beyond um, um, the economic one. 
And so being able to capture that um, is, is the challenge, isn't it? So being able to, for example, as you're saying, communicate it to your customers and through that possibly mm -hmm. having um, um, more customers or, or an easier way to value your product, maybe even a bit higher prices, people would be willing to, to, to pay a bit more for a product that they know is doing good for the, for the soul, doing good for the planet. Um, and so, you know, it's, this is a big topic in, in, in regenerative agriculture and, and, and in agroforestry, um, in the agroforestry space as well. But I wa want to go back to one thing you said um, just now, mm -hmm. because I think this is something completely neglected. And I think um, this is growing on me more and more each day. Um, and, and, and this is about the, the concept or the understanding or basically the observation of myself that you know agriculture for all of us um has or is just you know many times incredibly challenging because of a very variety of things and you know the tendency of seeing the bad things and the negative and the risks and all of those kind of de developments um is always quite high because they're so predominant and that you know depending on how you are uh, as an individual that could lead to you being you know unhappy or you could be getting slightly depressed or you could be wary about the future and all of these feelings are not a feeling of joy and a feeling of happiness and a feeling of freedom and a feeling of you know life and i think this is what we have to come back to though Because being in agriculture, being a farmer, this is, the, I think, you know, in my view, of, I'm speaking for myself now, it's the best thing that I could possibly do in my life. And it's the most beautiful task. And, you know, if we don't, or we, have, we haven't learned to think about ourselves in that context anymore. So it's always about just producing and production and this and that. But it's also about the life that you, that you have and the life that you form around yourself with your family with with the people that work with you and for you and their families and so forth and in in that kind of difficult time or in those kind of difficult times having your eyes on topics such as you know transfer transforming the 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 operation towards more regenerative meth methods starting a small market garden even if it's just for the employees and yourself starting your first agroforestry system, getting a couple of cows, suddenly you can turn your energy and your focus onto something that you can actually do and that will from day one bring joy to your life. From day one will bring color and ideas and new ways and new thinking and things to talk about and to, to think about into your life. And this is something that I found so incredibly valuable because all the other problems and risks and all that's, I mean, we all know that, and it, but it bores me to think about it and it, it, it doesn't make my life more happy. But focusing on new ways and new approaches and just getting started uh, from a quality perspective or the quality of life perspective, it's just, uh, it's, it's unmeasurable um, as, as, as a value uh, component. Yeah, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> I just needed to get that. Uh, of my heart because it's such it's, I think it's such a huge part of it but I wanted to, to to add to that this is also what's gonna help people get back into farming um, exactly. from people from, uh, from the cities um, but also 
this is you know it's known that um, farmers are are for example have one of the highest suicide rates in terms of profession. Right. This is a vital aspect to to clearly a vital aspect to make farming work for for everybody. It's not just about the economics, um, which is you know what uh, we've been questioning quite a lot here on this aspect, uh, but uh, it's about um, so much more. Absolutely, that we need absolutely in order for farms to be successful. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is this is exactly what I'm uh, what I'm trying to say. You know, it's it's just so much more than 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 all of the economics that are obviously driving all the decisions and and that are a huge part. And you have to take care of it. But um, in the end of the day, it's about humans and it's about life and it's about uh, you know designing and living a life that your your kids uh, at some point want to take over and and like to get into and and young people from from interdisciplinary fields around you just as much so um yeah and agroforestry feels sorry about that but agroforestry feels um right as well on that aspect it's about regenerating it's about reforesting it's about complexifying and integrating um and so you know this is something where agroforestry in, in my opinion has a lot of uh, a lot of power and a lot of potential Absolutely, and I mean, it's uh, you know what one thing that also drives me is just the the imagination of what it will look like in X Y Z years. You know, having stand on our like if you come to our and and obviously I'll, I'll invite you all to come in and 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 meet us and and see us. But if you stand here on the field uh, during uh, you know this time of the year after the harvest, maybe you know the sun is burning down with thirty thirty five. Uh, uh, degrees celsius and you know it is just incredibly lifeless i guess in that kind of moment but now if you imagine to have tree lines that go through those kind of fields and they are still green and lush and you'll have like you come in in the morning you have all the birds going up and it's like a huge diversity it's just you know uh, it, it it has uh, it has so many compelling aspects of creating life rather than deciding on what you have to destroy or what you have to fight uh, when you get up in the morning. So I'm completely with you on that one. <clears throat> we wanted to understand as well how, for example, implementing these agroforest systems, did it require some serious investments in terms of machines or, or other types of infrastructure? This is often you know, a big, um, a big um, let's say, um, limit for farmers, something that uh, you know, they don't often have so much so much cash and new investments can be a bit scary. So could you talk to us a bit about what that was like on your farm? Um, so, I mean, we have, um, as far as the planting itself is concerned, we, we actually have a, a cooperation uh, with um, a company from Switzerland, which is called Renos Tech, um, that they, they have developed a planting, um, yeah, I guess, a, uh, a, a, a machine that is preparing the tree lines in a sense um, that you have a, a subsoiler underneath um, in combination with a um, like a milling a milling machine so to say it's it's in one machine basically from the from the subsoiler it brings up the earth and then it will picked up from the milling and it will be made very nice and soft uh, on a depth of let's say 40, 45 uh, centimeters. So it's below a potential, uh, let's say compaction 
um, compaction area through the plow or through whatever you have in order to basically um, establish the trees or establish a bedding for the trees to go in deep uh, from, from the early time uh, or from the, from the beginning. And also the whole planting of the trees themselves is incredibly uh, good, to go, good to do because uh, obviously the whole soil is very soft and uh, you can basically do it with your hands. So this is a machine that we've invested in, and uh, you know it's it's a uh, it's 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 you know it costs you around six seven thousand euros, um, which, when it comes to planting trees, is an investment that um, makes a lot of sense, right? It's I sometimes compare it with people, you know, buying furniture for their house. They they tend to buy a they they spend a lot of money for things that you see but on a mattress which you spend half of your life you you don't you don't spend as much money and this is the same with the tree planting so invest invest uh, when it comes to establishing the trees this is what i think is is important um and um this machine is something that's just incredibly helpful because it gives the best sort of um start for the trees that you possibly can Apart from that, um, let's say protection obviously is is a very big one, uh, depending on what kind of species and trees you're going for. But um, uh, we have built fences around the ones that you know are carrying all the sort of fruit and nut trees, um, because without you, you know, you would have uh, huge problems with with all sorts of sort of animals that 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 love those trees as well. Um, when it comes to the trees themselves, um, depending on what kind of trees, I mean, we have to buy ecological varieties. So if you think about a walnut, it's somewhere between 35 and 55 euros. Um, same with, let's say, plum trees and so forth. Um, when it comes to basically trees from, you know, sort of um, uh, out of the forest, also classical uh, leaf trees, so to say, that are there for uh, other purposes, um, then, you know, we are, we're talking a couple of cents or maybe a euro or whatever. So the investment of the trees, in my, my view, is, is always not the big one. It's more sort of the protection. It's the whole planting process. And specifically, it's, uh, you know, the weeding processes in between. So I think um, when it comes to planting a system um what you have to take care or you have to take account of is basically uh, weeding it four five six times a year at least for the first four to five years depending on the system obviously that you choose um if it's a classical agroforestry system then for sure if it's a centropic system which is comprised of actually not having any space in between the rows because it's all being planted then you don't have to do that that much, that, but you have other things to do. So I think when it comes to the whole investment as such, um, one aspect that is incredibly important and I think that, that makes it most difficult, especially in the beginning, is the sort of the time, the timing of things. Because the chances are you've planted the trees, well, okay, now you're done. But then comes basically May, June, July, those months you're you're having to do you know hay you're having to do harvest that starts and this is the time where you at the same time have to basically 
go into the tree lines and weed them, make sure that they always have enough space to <clears throat> to breathe and and to have not too high competition when it comes to water. And if you're not, if you don't have someone that is specifically looking after the tree lines, uh, the chances is you will completely neglect it during those those months, and then um, <clears throat> for that year they will already have, you know, they will have already been uh, quite. Let's say, um, yeah. How do you how do you say it? Um, suppressed, I guess. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, um, kind of, to finalize this um, this ecological uh, understanding of the system. You've mentioned uh, chickens. You've mentioned um, also uh, beef. Well, uh, cows. And I I was uh, wondering. Um, maybe even if you're not integrating them yet, how you see that integration happening? Is that something that you're actively thinking about? And yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we are currently planning a system and a syntropic system um, uh, that we will plant beginning, uh, let's say, October, November of this year on six hectares, where we're we going to plant... Uh, or we're going to have a focus on, um, one second. So I basically like, yeah, like um, leaf, leaf bushes. Uh, <laughs> don't know the, the, the perfect. Um, is it like a tree hay, for example? Um, say that again? Is, is, are you talking more about tree hay, for example, um, hay that uh, or feed that produce that is produced on on bushes or trees? Yeah, pretty much exactly. Yeah. Um, so we have a variety of seven, eight different varieties uh, or different kinds there that we'll plant in rows with a different uh, like four meter forty um, from row to row, um, and this this is going to be for the cows. So it's basically basically a pasture system. Um, a climate-adapted uh, pasture system, um, and we'll we'll combine that with the production of um, one second. Yeah, there's no translation for that. Um, <laughs> with, with two with two trees that that are incredibly um, valuable in terms of wood as well as walnut trees. So this is a system that is specifically designed for a pasture model, if you want. Um, so there's the first integration, which is directly linked, and the agroforestry system that we've done beginning of this year uh, with all the sort of uh, wild berries is a system that we've already integrated uh, basically with the chickens. Um, so it's, it's, it's always thought in a process that basically they, they, they have to live from each other, with each other. Um, and I mean... On a sort of visionary note, I guess my my idea of having a couple of fields in a system where, you know, we have a nurse crop and a cover crop and grain, then we harvest it for the grain for for the man for production for for humans, then you have the the, the nurse crop growing again, protecting the soil through photosynthesis, bringing back the nutrients in the soil. Then we'll have the cows come in, um, harvest or basically graze through it with holistic grazing, we can sell the meat of the cows, then we'll have the, the chickens that come, we can sell the eggs and the chickens. And then basically in autumn, we will come and have the sort of the tree lines, or the, the syntropic agroforestry lines, and then we can start um, harvesting different nuts and different berries and, and whatnot. 
so there is this idea of obviously bringing it all together but as, uh, again um well we we try to stay as humble as we can because if we uh you know we'll we'll see how it goes and and how how the weather develops and and how you know our learnings will be in which directions and um and and take it from there um but yes of of course we want to uh, at some point integrate all of it uh, into into one more or less um yeah adaptable system i guess basically given your background in in finance and investment um which is um which must have brought about some very interesting or a very interesting perspective um to to farming as well um in your opinion what's some of the most interesting ways in funding agroforestry systems well <clears throat> um two things come come to mind immediately um the the perennial fund uh, everything the guys over at mad agriculture filtera um, for example are doing i think is is incredible work um basically saying that you know if we want to help farmers go through that transitional phase that um i basically um, mentioned early on as well that we need to find a new way of of a, of a financial product because just giving more loans and loans is is not going to help quite the opposite um i think we have to find ways where where farmers become less less dependent um so basically saying if i if a farmer is open to go and change the system let's say from conventional to ecological or to to regenerative or in which direction ever but basically more with regards to soil health and and biodiversity and so forth then we need to offer him capital through that phase but without basically asking for annual repayments because if there's a drought he or she can't repay then mm-hmm. you know we we need to take account of that somehow so i think the the system that that uh, the guys at mad agriculture developed in a sense where you know you're not obliged to pay back in in times where you're not earning a profit but only when you do earn a profit and then you have like a revenue split model until a certain time i think that is that is a beautiful model and this is something that i hope that that will become mainstream at some point in time and i think you know uh, progressive industry leaders such as uh, triodos or, or gls or, or umweltbank in germany are also thinking that direction and um, this is one thing and then there's another example also uh, we had him uh, also on the podcast with kun together uh, it's thomas uh, thomas ripple uh, and the work that he is doing basically leveraging um a community around a farm and people around a farm that that believe in the kind of work that the farmers are doing and making uh let's say a cooperative model where they can kind of invest into the business uh thereby enabling the farmer to use that money um to actually you know change his or her operation in a sense that you know it becomes more uh, more sustainable and uh you know towards the way of regenerative uh, agriculture in in some sort of sense as well um and basically overcoming that problem of of land ownership um which is often obviously only for people who are either investors or have some other forms of money but uh, we really need to try or we really need to put it in the hands of of people that you know that do it for the love of the land and that do it because of the right reasons not as a speculating object but 
um, wanting to grow healthy food and, and, and thereby, thereby making sure that you have healthy land. So um, these are two very different models coming from different directions, but I think they are just two examples of so many incredible and, and brilliant models of, of rethinking also the financials when it comes to farming. So I think there's going to be huge developments uh, in years to come. And I really hope so, because this is one of the most desperately needed ones. Um, but you know, if I could choose, I would make Thomas and and Phil those guys. Uh, they have to be uh, known everywhere, <laughs> basically, and uh, and governments should should be thinking about putting more focus and action into that directions as well. Great. So, well, um, I think we'll be taking things to an end now, and um, just as a, as a few final questions. Um, you know, what would you personally want to hear about in this podcast? What are the topics that you're excited to to discover? What would you want us to ask about? And uh, this is the moment, you know, where you you get to give us some input on the on the following episodes. Um, I mean, first of all, I have to say thank you so much for for inviting me, and uh, it's been great talking to you. Although um, it's always a bit of a you know un unpleasant situation if you're the one who has to answer because you only hear yourself talking so <laughs> sorry for that uh, i would have loved to hear more about you guys um and i mean you know it, i think it's a very personal uh, it's, a, it's a personal question um so i i don't you know i don't know what anyone or everyone likes or, or wants to hear um if you ask me individually i i, I am always i always love to hear the wise um you know why did people start? Why? What's their motivation? How? How do they see that? I mean, having been sort of a numbers guy, uh, <laughs> I am not intrigued by those that much anymore. Of course, I'll, you know, I calculate. I've got my spreadsheets and whatever. But I think the the personal stories, the emotions, the the, the things that happened to them that that has have made them change the 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 understandings that have gained the people that they have met. Um, the reasons why they they are starting a, a process that is to do with uncertainty and and a certain risk. I think that's always for me something that is most interesting or most inspiring, um, because you can somehow relate or you can't, or at least it helps you, you know, reflect upon your own life and see how maybe you've had situations similar to that, or if you are in a situation, you you can relate to that somehow. So I love these kind of personal stories um, because, in the end of the day, it's it's it what it's what what drives us, right? Um, so yeah, uh, more about the whys. Yeah, thanks for that input. We'll we'll make sure we we explore that with everyone. Although um, it's really hard to do everything in an hour, an hour and a half. It goes so quickly as we huh. discovered today. So Benedict, what would be the one? Uh, piece of advice, most important piece of advice you would give to somebody that's starting out um, a similar project to what you have started out there on your farm? Um, <clears throat> just start. Um, I think that's just get going. I mean, you can ask all the questions, you can read all the books, and um, at the end of the day, you just have to get going. Like buy a tree planted or buy a couple of trees planted, buy the first animal. Um, get someone to come to stay at your farm and do it with you. I mean, 
I think that's, you know, we, we always say, and uh, I, I nicked this uh, expression from, from Phil Taylor also, but um, we built this ship by sailing. I think that's really what, what we do. And this is part of the journey because, you know, and this is what Ernst Götz always says, 5% is, is the start, planting the first couple of trees. And then is the real start is, is only starting then. 95% is observing and adapting and observing and adapting. So if you don't start, you know, you, you can't start observing, I guess. So I guess, yeah, just get going as soon as you can and then take it from there. Yeah, great advice. And um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, maybe, yeah, the last thing, um, can you tell um, our listeners where they can find out more about your farm, um, your website and all of that? <laughs> sure. I mean, um We're not that strong on, on the whole website and I have to, I'm, I'm slowly starting to start like an, an Instagram live. So whoever wants to follow us, uh, we have, we're on Instagram with my name, Benedict Bosel. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll start to be more active on that front. And then we have our website, which is, uh, gutenbosel, Um, And, um, yeah, I mean, there's some, some info you can get or some, a, a way to have connection to us, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll hope to, uh, become a bit more active on those kind of fronts. Um, but, um, one step after another, I guess. Yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me and, uh, thank you for all the incredible work you're doing and, uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, Check in soon or later again and, and see what's what and where you guys at. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It definitely seems like we'll uh, need to uh, uh, dig into some more details uh, in a later episode at some time. Um, there's a lot of uh, things that uh, we wanted to talk about and that we didn't manage and that are important to share with, uh, with your work. For sure, anytime. And obviously you're both more than welcome anytime to come and, and visit the farm as soon as that's feasible and possible again. Thank you for listening to this episode. Below you'll find all the useful links to find out more about uh, Benedict's farm. Also, we'd love to have your feedback so we can make the show better. And most important of all, include your questions. So reach out to us through our website and we hope to see you there.